Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. If you got your Bibles with you, let's turn to Luke 10. And we're going to start there. And I got a good word for you today. I'm going to preach just a message that's been on my heart for a little bit. And I believe it's going to help us this morning. Luke 10. And we're going to start in verse 17. It says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. But notice this in verse 19. Behold, I give you authority. Now, I'm going to need your help today. I can tell you're way too quiet already. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all, that says all, not just some, the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So today, if you're taking notes today, I want to talk for a little bit about the authority of the believer. The authority of the believer. Now, today, I've been stirred up about this for several weeks, and I want to share about the authority of the believer. It's so important that we know this as followers of Jesus. And so I want to lay a little bit of groundwork for us as we begin. But you need to understand this, that you need to have a biblical worldview of what's going on in the world. And a lot of people, even Christians, do not. Now, a biblical worldview, in my opinion, you have to acknowledge that there is an unseen realm. There is a realm that is beyond what you can see or hear or understand with your five physical senses. And we do not need to be like some modern people or even some Christians who are not believing in much that have a very naturalistic worldview that acts like spirits, both good and evil, or this unseen realm is not real. No, it is very real. And we need to understand that because there's things that happen in our life and in everyone's life that is beyond what we can understand or see or hear with our natural senses. You don't have to be a Christian to know that. There are unexplained things that happen every day all over the world that you can't put in this pretty little box and explain it. But there's a reason those things happen because there is an unseen realm and there is both good and evil spirits in those realms. There is dimensions and realms beyond us. Now, we are uh, human beings living on this planet and we are three-dimensional beings. Not to throw you too far out here, but Paul Jansen can explain anything that I don't make sense of right now. (laughs) Shout out to Paul Jansen. But we are three-dimensional beings living in time. But if you study physics and quantum physics, they know that there's way more dimensions than the ones that we live in. So haven't you ever wondered, okay, well, what's in all those dimensions if they're way beyond the dimensions where we live? Because we as 
Human beings on this earth live in three dimensions, fourth with time. But they've even figured out already that there's at least 10 to 11 dimensions. And we only live in four of them. And if you lived in dimensions beyond the ones that we live in, that you would be outside of space and time, that you could go in and out of space and time like spiritual beings do because they're living in dimensions beyond us. I'm going to get back to the word, I promise. Just let me vent for a second about dimensions. If secular scientists can admit that there's dimensions beyond what we can see with these eyes and hear with these ears and understand with these minds that are way beyond where we're living at and there can be beings in those other dimensions but we couldn't perceive them because it's beyond us unless God would let us. If a secular quantum physic or a doctor could understand this, why don't we as believers understand simple things about the spiritual realm? If doctors of uh, quantum physics could understand this and admit this, we know that there is a spiritual realm beyond us. Now, the Bible said that way before a scientist studied this, that there is a real unseen realm all around us, both good and evil that is beyond us. And of course, we know ultimately God is there, but there also is other spirits. There is angels and there is demons. And that is a biblical worldview. And if you're going to believe the Bible and be a Christian, you need to believe what the Bible says. And that is a very real reality. Now, if we don't admit that there is another realm, we will live ignorant of it, even though we're being affected by it. <laughs> so even if you're like, I don't believe, okay, well, those spirits are still influencing your life, whether you believe it or not. So we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. Now, this is just an intro. We're going to get to really preaching here in a second. But we need to take it seriously and be aware of what's going on. In the Bible, they took it very serious, the unseen realm. They took it very serious with angels and demons. They took it very serious because they realized that it was just as real as the physical world they're living in, and the unseen world affects the seen world. The things that are not seen affect the things that are seen. Do you realize even in ancient times, all the ancient groups of people, you name them, whatever continent they're on, whatever place they're in in the earth, they all believed in gods. They all believed in idols. They all believed in spiritual beings that were beyond themselves. Now, if they weren't serving the true and living God, then there was real spirits, demonic, influencing them and controlling them to do what they did. It wasn't just made up fairy tales. There was real unseen forces causing them to worship these unseen beings. Now, us modern people think we are so far beyond that. And we're not. It's actually funny because there's like two extremes in the world. It's like there's 
the group of people over here that are so modern and act like they're so educated beyond believing any of this ancient stuff about spirits and angels and demons and gods and all this. And we're just so beyond that. But no, you're just so distracted and you're so ignorant of spiritual things. You just try to ignore it and it's really affecting your life. And I'm just so educated beyond that thinking. Well, you know what C.S. Lewis said? He said, someone who's educated just becomes a more clever devil. (laughs) It can help you if you're educated, but unless you have God in the middle of it, it doesn't make you any better. You're just more clever at getting away with things you shouldn't be doing. All right, back to my notes. But then we have the other worldview, and I'm not one of those people who's going to preach on Halloween, but it is Halloween, so I just got to say it. (laughs) But then you got the other side of people that are in the world. They sometimes believe in the supernatural more than Christians do. I don't get it. They put more of it in their movies. They put more of it in... The books they write, they put more of it in the things that they share on social media. And it's like, these people believe in the supernatural more than most Christians do. They just believe it in the wrong way. But they actually believe that the supernatural is real and evil is real. Think about every major movie group that we're you know, any of us would know about Disney, Harry Potter, Star Wars, Marvel, Stranger Things, you name it. All of those shows and movies revolve around the fact that there is a supernatural force and there are supernatural beings and there's supernatural things that are beyond what humans can understand and it's affecting us. All of those movies and shows have that undercurrent in all those things because it's in all of us to know that that's real. It's just some people go about it the right way or the wrong way. It's even sad to know this, that even some modern Christians, especially in countries like ours that are more well-off and kind of sheltered from stuff, there's been kind of a move in, in Christians that say stuff like, you know, you know, us human beings are really not sinful, we're really not broken, evil really doesn't exist in the world. We're all just pretty much good people. That's a very American thing to say. Which I've even heard some churches and pastors say that kind of stuff. Which is so anti-biblical. But I was listening to Christine Kane recently, and if you know her, she does A21 campaign, and that reaches human trafficking victims all over the world. And she said, if you went to the countries I went to and you were in the brothels that I've went to and if you were in the places that I went to, you would never doubt that people are sinful, broken, and evil. And evil spirits are really real. And demonic power is really real. You just live so sheltered because you live in the suburbs. And the worst evil you ever got was you got the, (laughs) you got in line too long at McDonald's and someone honked at you. And that's the worst persecution you ever experienced in your life. 
You just don't know because there's real places on the earth and there's real evil and there's real sin and there's real brokenness and there's real spirits that are evil and not right of affecting and influencing people. And just because you don't see it every day doesn't mean it's not real. So people that are really helping, really people that need help say, oh no, if you did what I did, you would realize that those things are very real. And they are. Are you still with me today? Now we're, we're going to get to what we're talking about today because we're talking about the authority of the believer. And I know most of you are like, well, I have not been helped whatsoever so far in this message. <laughs> Trust me, it's coming. But I just want to talk to you about the reality of the unseen realm. The reality that there is both good and evil spirits in this earth affecting us either for the good or the bad. The spiritual realm is very real. And we need to admit that and acknowledge that and be discerning as believers, not ignoring it, not acting like we're more educated beyond it because we're not, but being very discerning of the spiritual realm around us. Come on now, around our family, around our children, wake up parents, around our grandchildren, and we need to realize that we have authority. If we're going to have a biblical worldview, we cannot deny the supernatural. We cannot deny good and evil. We cannot deny that there is an unseen realm that is very real. And it's affecting all of our lives every day, whether we realize it or not. Just because a lot of us in here have lived a pretty sheltered life compared to some other people, does not mean it's not real. Evil in this world is very real. Demonic spirits, demonic beings are very real. And we need to understand that. Are you with me so far? I said what I said, didn't I? I said what I said. So here's the question. If all that's real, which it is, now what? What are we going to do about that? And, and this is where there's people going different ditches when we talk about spiritual things. There's a lot of Christians that get super weird. None of you, right? It's people you know, right? That, that's who I'm talking about. You guys are a tough crowd today, but you'll, you're going to get better as it goes on, right? People get really weird, and so every time they get up and preach messages. It's all spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare. I've been fighting demons. I've been slaying demons all week. I've been killing demons all week. Okay. Listen, you're in a ditch, buddy. Okay. Get out of the ditch. No, it's not like that. Yes. Spiritual warfare is real. Spiritual influences are real, but you're in an extreme. Or, or then we got people that's just like, I'm just going to ignore it because it's kind of weird. There's a lot of churches. That's why they don't talk about it. They believe it, but I'm like, if I talked about that on Sunday morning, we would lose good tithers. These people that live in the suburbs don't want to hear about demons. They just want to pay for their kid's school and get a nice little message and go home. You're not in one of those churches today. <laughs> 
Okay. So, and then we have another group of people that goes over here and it's, they're just in fear. The spiritual realm is real, but I'm scared. If, if demons are real, if demonic power is real, if evil spirits are real, which they are, then I'm just scared. I don't know what to do. That's why your pastor came this morning to tell you what to do. We're not going in this ditch. We're not going in this ditch. We're not going in this ditch. What we're going to talk about today is that, yes, spiritual beings are very real. The Bible says it. Jesus, our Savior, says it. The whole Word of God says that the, the world is filled with both good and evil beings, angelic and demonic beings. But we need to understand today, as believers, we do not need to be afraid. And we don't need to put Demon Hunter on our Facebook profile either. <laughs> okay? Unless you're in the band, Demon Hunter, then you can put it on your profile. But other than that, don't put it on there. And we don't need to ignore it and act like, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't see it. I don't hear it. No, it's very real. It's on the news every night. Evil's real. But what we need to do as believers, now I'm talking to believers. If you're not a believer, then listen to what I'm saying and become a believer. But I'm talking to believers. As believers, as people that are a part of Jesus' church, we are the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. As sons and daughters of the Most High God, this is what we need to do. We need to take our authority as believers. Now, you got to understand, you have authority. Now, we're going to dive into this. And you got to understand, in the beginning, God created man in authority. God created man with complete authority. And we're going to read those verses in a second. But you need to understand, he was created, man and woman, in God's image and likeness to rule and reign on this earth. Now, just in case you didn't believe me, let's turn to Genesis 1, verse 26. Genesis 1. Now, now we're going to teach for a second. We're going to get into this. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion. Dominion. Underline that if you have that in your Bible. Dominion. Now, that means authority. That means power. That means control. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and he, God created him, male and female, who created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Now, this is your Bible. This is your Bible. He told man, I want you to have dominion. 
Do most Christians act like that? No, they do not. They get walked over by everybody and every spirit that comes into their life. He said, I want you to have dominion, but notice what does he say? Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. You subdue something that tries to get out of your control. You subdue something that comes and tries to force its way when they don't have the right or authority to do so. You subdue something that is not the way it should be so you can put it back where it needs to be. You subdue it. And God is telling Adam and Eve, this is going to happen because there's an enemy coming. And when he gets here, you need to have dominion and subdue it. Because you have authority. And notice it says, have dominion over the fish of the air, over the birds of the air, and over the living thing that moves on the earth. But notice these words, dominion and subdue. Dominion means having power and control. So what happened? If man was made in God's image and likeness and had complete dominion over the earth to fill it and to subdue it, what happened? Well, we all know the rest of the story. The enemy got in there. Satan got in there, tempted Adam and Eve. And when Adam and Eve fell into sin and made that decision, they lost their dominion. Not only did they lose their relationship with God and they got the consequences of sin, they lost their dominion. Now, you can write this down for your notes. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that Satan is the God of this world. Little g. Now, how did Satan become the God of this world? Because Adam and Eve gave Satan the authority and dominion that God gave them. That's why still today in this earth, Satan is still the God of this world. Small g. He has a level of authority over this earth. Why do you think we have the problems we have? It's not hard to figure out. Satan is the God of this world. Why do we have sex trafficking? Because Satan is the God of this world. Why do we have murder? Because Satan is the God of this world. Why do we have natural disasters? Because Satan is the God of this world. Why do people kill other people? Because Satan is the God of this world. It's real simple. Because he has a level of authority because Adam and Eve gave him that authority. But here's the good news. Jesus came to get back the authority and dominion that Adam and Eve gave to Satan. And even though Satan is still the God of this world, when we come into Christ and are born again and we're born from above, he no longer has dominion over us. He no longer has authority over us as believers in Jesus. Now, we're going to take a few steps further because Jesus came on the scene who is God. And it says that when Jesus came, you, if you read the Gospels, it says, he teaches with one who has authority. 
Because he does. He is God. And this is what would happen as well. And I love this. When Jesus would go places and he would get in front of a big crowd, people would be shocked because people would start getting delivered from demonic spirits. And people would start being healed of sickness and disease when Jesus just stepped into the room. When Jesus just got by a crowd of people, people started getting healed and delivered and set free. Why? Because Jesus has authority. And his authority was greater than the demonic power on the person. His authority was greater than the sickness and disease. Jesus came and was full of his authority. And they even said, how do you cast out demons? How do you heal the sick? And it's because he has authority. But this gets better and better for us, church family. Because it's one thing that Jesus just has it. But Jesus said he came to bring it back to us. To restore the authority that was taken from us. To restore the dominion that Adam and Eve lost in the garden. Now, I'm preaching better than you responded today so far. And I love this passage. Let's read it in Luke 10, in verse 19. We're going to read it from the Passion. Notice, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and I believe he's speaking this to them, but he's also speaking this prophetically about his church in the future. Notice what he says. Now, he doesn't mess around with words here. Now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom. And you will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. However, your real source of joy isn't merely that these submit Spirits submit to your authority, but that your names are written in the journals of heaven and that you belong to God's kingdom. This is the true source of your authority. So Jesus said to his disciples, you guys have seen me. I've been teaching with authority. I've been casting out demons with authority. I've been laying hands on the sick with authority. And they all have listened to me because I have authority. But here's the good news. As my disciples, and prophetically speaking about the church, I'm giving you that same authority to trample over all these evil spirits, to trample over all this sickness and disease, to trample over anything that would come against you. I give you complete authority, and I'm giving you my authority. God's speaking that to us today in the same way it was spoke to these disciples 2,000 years ago. We have authority. Now, how did this authority came to us in its fullness? How did it come? Well, when Jesus went to the cross, he died for our sin. He died for our sickness. He died for our pain. He died for our grief. He died for our mental health. He died for all that was against us. But he died also to get man's authority back. 
Jesus had to do something since Adam and Eve rightfully gave their authority to the enemy. He had to go take it back from the one who had it. And you realize if you read your Bible, that's what he did those three days. When he died on the cross, the Bible says he went into hell. And he suffered for us. And he took our pain. And he took our sickness. And he took our mental issues. And he took our grief. And he took everything that was against us. And he paid the full price. But before Jesus left hell, he took back the keys of the kingdom. He took back our authority. He took back our dominion. He took back our rightful place that we belonged in as followers of him. And he took it back from the enemy. So he could give it to his church to do the mission of God on the earth. Now I got another verse for you because I want to give you some good scriptures today. Colossians 2 and verse 14. Speaking of Jesus here, it says he canceled out every legal violation we had on our record. And the old arrest warrant that stood to indicate us, he erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all, and they cannot be retrieved. Now, it's going to get better. Everything we once were in, Adam had placed onto his cross and nailed it permanently there as a public display of cancellation. But he went a step further. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away. Are you reading what I'm reading? Stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and the power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph he was not their prisoner they were his so Jesus at the cross and through his suffering and going to hell for us it says he disarmed all of those spiritual rulers, all of those principalities, all those demons, all of the plans that the enemy had for us he disarmed them no, disarmed them. Disarmed them. What were they armed with? The authority and dominion that Adam gave. That they could just do whatever they wanted to do anytime they wanted to do it because they had authority. And he took back that authority and dominion from them and gave it to his church. He gave it to his church. And Jesus did that on the cross. He took away and disarmed them. He took away all their weapons. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. You no longer have authority over believers. You no longer have authority over my children. You no longer have authority over the church. The church is in authority now. Are you getting something today? 
the authority of the believer. So Jesus took back our authority and our dominion that the enemy had. He disarmed them. And he took it back for us. But now we as believers, as people part of his church, are seated with him. I want to talk to you about our position of authority. Ephesians 2.6 says that we are seated with him in heavenly places. That's our position of authority. A lot of people don't understand that because we're not physically seated with him in heavenly places. But spiritually, we're seated with him in heavenly places. That's our position. Every day you wake up, whether you feel like it or not, you're still seated in heavenly places. Now, the problem for most of us in here is we let our condition determine our position. Instead of letting our position determine our condition. Because most of us walk around and say, well, you know, I just live here and I just work there and I'm just trying to make ends meet and I'm just trying to keep my marriage together and I'm just trying to do that. And that's my condition. You're talking about your condition. But you need to identify with your position. Because your position is seated with him in heavenly places. That's your position of authority. And if we got a reality and a revelation of our position in him and our place of authority, our condition would start changing. Our body would start changing. Our mind would start changing. Our marriage would start changing. Our finances would start changing. But you're identifying with your condition and not your spiritual position in him. And your position is a place of authority. Now, let me tell you where this spot is. This seated with him in heavenly places. Now, where is this position? Let's turn to Ephesians 1. Are you receiving this this morning? Ephesians 1 and verse 19. And it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him. Let's stay right here for a second. At his right hand in the heavenly places. Now, Ephesians 2, 6 says you're seated with him in this place. And the right hand, if you study what that means in that time and that day, right hand means the place of power, the place of authority. The place of favor. And Jesus is sitting there. But when Jesus got up from the grave, he got you up with him. And when he sat down, he put the church in the seat with him. Seated together with him. The next verse here. This is where this seat is. Far above. I'm going to need you to help me this morning. Far above. That's where you're seated. Far above sickness. Far above depression. 
far above mental issues, far above poverty, far above family issues, far above anything that would come against you. Any demonic spirit, anything that would come against your life or your family, you are seated far above. Now that's where you, now I know some of you aren't shouting right now because you're identifying with your condition. That's why you're looking at me like a cow at a new game. <laughs> I hear pastor preaching about this, but yeah, I'm struggling right now. I get that. Because you're identifying with the wrong thing. This is where you're really at. Far above. You're far above, notice, all principality and power. That's referring to demonic spirits and forces that would come against your life. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet. <laughs> now, my Bible, last time I checked, says that we are the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Jesus is the head and we are the body. Guess where the feet are at? They're in the body. That means everything that has come against us as believers in Jesus and a part of the church, we are far above it and it's under our feet. It's under your feet. I know you don't feel like it right now, but it's under your feet. And before we leave today, you're going to realize the authority you have and take authority over those things that have been stepping on top of you. Because God wants you to start stepping on top of them because they're under your feet. He put all things under his feet. Now the feet are in the body. Right here. And he gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Which is his body. The fullness of him who he fills all in all. I'm helping you this morning if you're listening. The authority of the believer. Jesus got our authority back as believers. He got our authority back as the church. And our position of authority is seated with him, which is far above all these things that could come against us. All these things are under our feet. That's our position of authority. Now, I know your question is, well, if they are under my feet, then why is everything stepping on me? One, you didn't know you had authority, and one, you're not doing anything with the authority you have. That's why. Most of us in here and most believers are walking around like, I can't help it. I can't do anything about it. What can I do? I mean, this is just my life. Who said that? Who said that? The enemy wants you to think that because he's trying to take back the authority he has in your life. No, Jesus gave you authority and he puts you far above all principalities and power. And all these things are under your feet. Now, even if you're the little toenail on the tiniest toe of the church. You still have more authority than the devil and every demonic force that would come against you. Go ahead and just wiggle your toe in authority in Jesus' name. 
hey, I don't care what part of the body I'm in. If I'm in the body, it's still under my feet. (laughs) I don't care what part I'm in. If I'm in his body, I still have authority over every demon, over every demonic power, over anything that would come into my life that is contrary to his word. I have the right to take authority over it and get it out of my life. Take dominion and subdue it. That's what he says in Genesis. We have authority. But this authority has been delegated to us by Jesus, the head of the church. It's been given to us. Jesus died to make us dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Not putting our heads in the sand like a bunch of believers do. Like it's not my problem. I can't do anything about it. Who said? Hear me this morning. The problems we have in this world, the issues, the evil, the hate, the murder, The abuse is not just the devil's fault at this point. It's the church's fault. Because we could have done something about it a long time ago. But most believers do not believe this, do not understand this, and are acting like the devil can do whatever he wants. And guess what? We've seen it on the news every night. The devil's doing exactly what he wants to do because the church has no stinking backbone and will not stand up to him and say, no, you can't do this. You have no authority, you have no right, you have no dominion. And if the church of Jesus Christ would ever stand up and say, no more, the world would change tomorrow. It would. And in your life, things would change tomorrow too if you stood up and did the same thing instead of letting the enemy walk over your life. I'm preaching better than you're responding. The authority of the believer. The enemy loves believers being ignorant of the authority they have. Because he is left unchecked. He is left to do whatever he wants to do. And trust me, he's doing whatever he wants to do. You don't have to be super intelligent to see that every day. But we got to stop saying, we can't do anything about it. We We can't do anything about it. Well, there's so much, there's so much poverty in the world. We can't do anything about it. Who said? We're an authority church. Who said? Well, there, there, there's so much abuse and sex trafficking and all this stuff. We can't do anything about it. We should be the ones doing something about it. There's so many people hurting and depressed and broken. We can't do anything about it. Who said? The church should be doing something about it. And not always just handing someone a pill. And I'm not against that. But saying, come out in Jesus' name. 
Do both if you need to do. But don't let the enemy think he has authority to do what he wants to do. Hopefully you're being stirred up this morning, church family. You have authority. You have authority in your personal life. You have authority in your family. We have authority corporately as the church, and we need to walk in his authority. Jesus died to get this back for you. Yeah, he died for your sin. He died for your sickness, but he died to give you back the authority you lost in the garden. He did that for us. Brother Daryl, could you come play? But he's delegated authority to us. If we have this authority, then why? Why do these things happen? Either we don't know, which is a lot of people, or we're not using what we have. It's very interesting at the end of Matthew and the end of Mark that um, Jesus gave commands to his disciples. And both of those commands, he sent them out with authority. At the end of Matthew, he literally says, all authority in heaven and earth was given to me. And people stop reading. The next part, he says, therefore, you go. What is he doing? He's delegating his authority to his church. He said, all that authority's been restored back to me. Why? Because I went to hell and I paid the price and I beat the snot out of the devil. Oh, it wasn't even pretty. And when I kicked the devil and took back the keys of the kingdom, I brought them back to you and put my church in authority. Therefore, you go and do something about it. Stop waiting on me. God's waiting on us. And the church is to fulfill the mission of God. Not by ourselves, empowered by the Spirit of God, but endued with His authority to make God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. All authority has been given unto me, therefore you go. Hey, next time, next time, listen to me. Next time you feel like something's too big for you, read that verse. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, you do something about it. You go. The end of Mark, he says something similar, just in a different way. He says, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel in my name or my authority. And when you go, cast out demons in my name. What's my name? My authority. Lay hands on the sick and they'll recover in my name, in my authority. Fulfill the mission of God in my name, in my authority. Because you now have the rights and authority to do what I've called you to do. And if a devil gets in your way, use your authority. And if sickness gets in your way, use your authority. And if depression gets in your way, use your authority. You're not helpless and hopeless anymore. You have gotten your authority back. Because he got it back. I'm telling you, if you think you don't have any authority, you're listening to lies. 
The enemy loves it. Oh, he loves it. Oh my gosh, he loves it. He loves Christians to be so ignorant of their Bibles and their authority. That's why there's so many churches like that. Because he's not intimidated by that. It poses no threat to the kingdom of darkness with churches that just say, oh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you don't got any authority to change anything. But Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. And when I died on the cross, I restored that authority to you. And now you're seated with me in heavenly places, far above all principality and power, in every name that's named. And all things have been put under my feet, so they've been put under your feet. Because I'm the head and you're the body. But the head cannot use his authority without the body. And the body can't use his authority without the head. We're doing this together. You getting something this morning? We have authority today. I think part of the reason, and I've been thinking about this for the past month, I've been stirred up about this, is I've seen so much stuff, especially during Halloween time. You see all the different shows. I'm like, first of all, someone was inspired, not by the Holy Ghost, to make this movie. Oh, you, you had a spirit inspiring this movie, but not the Holy Ghost. Um, but in all those movies, they portray evil and darkness as the winner. Even the movies where there's like a priest or a pastor in it, he's getting his butt kicked. <laughs> but isn't that just like the enemy to make you feel that way? You didn't even watch a movie and you feel that way about the enemy. Acting like he's all large and in charge and he can do whatever he wants to do. No, 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 no. He thrives off ignorance. And when he's found out, he has no more authority. We have authority because of what Jesus has done. I didn't say in your own self. I'm saying because Jesus gave it to you. And it's used in his name and under his power. And when you speak the name of Jesus and you say in Jesus' name, be healed. That sickness and disease is not afraid of you. It's listening to the authority of the name of Jesus. When your son and daughter are depressed and you say, come out in the name of Jesus. I take authority over anything that would come against your mind. It's not leaving just because it's you. It's because the authority you've been delegated in the name of Jesus. But he gave it to us to use. For anything that would come against us. Or our families or our church in our life. We have authority, church. And I got one last verse, and I think you're going to love it. Matthew 16, in verse 18. It says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. In verse 19, look at this. 
And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let's leave that up here. Remember I talked about Jesus had to get the keys of hell, death, and the grave back from the enemy. Well, he did. And he's speaking prophetically about us today as his church. He said, I will build my church. That's all of us in here. And think about not just us, but every church worldwide, there's, there's like 2.2 billion of us around the world. If all of his church stood up and used their authority, things would change tomorrow. It would change by the fall fest. That quick. But most of those people don't know their authority. Or they're not using it. But notice what he says. I'm going to give you the keys of this kingdom. Now, if you got the keys, what does that mean? You have ownership of it. You have authority to use it. It belongs to you. And Jesus gave you the keys to the kingdom. You know, there was a time before that I was up at church late night. I come up to church a lot. And you remember last week I vented to you about the way I dressed during the week? Yeah, okay. You guys don't think it's funny. You're like, we're embarrassed of you, Pastor. I wish you wouldn't do that. Um, uh, so, you know, if you're going out for a late night run, you know, you guys look like you would go to Walmart. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. If you're planning on not seeing anybody, you got like Jamie pants on and your hat backwards and the cutoff shirt. So I came up to church one time and uh, I'm, I'm trying to get in the door and a police officer pulls up. And uh, of course, looking at me, he's like, what's this guy doing? He's trying to steal everything at Church on the Rock. And so he gets out and he's like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, uh, I'm just getting in the building here. He's like, do you work here? Or I was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I do. I do work here. And usually when I'm dressed like that, I don't want to tell anybody I'm the pastor. I'm the janitor, actually. It's just a late night. I'm just cleaning some floors tonight. I'm not the pastor, though. <laughs> so he wasn't believing me. Because I looked a little different. And, uh, but you know what convinced him? I had the keys. And he realized, oh, you belong here. Oh, you must have some ownership here. That means that you have the right to use those keys. If somebody entrusted you to have them, they delegated you this authority, then if you got the keys, then you're free to use them. You must work here. And so he let me in and apologized. Said, no problem, officer. I appreciate you protecting our church. I would protect myself from people like me coming to our church as well. <laughs> so. But what convinced him I had authority was I had the keys. Jesus said to every single one of you, not just me, every single one of you. Like I said, even if you're the smallest toe and the smallest ingrown toenail on the left side of the foot. You're still in the body of Christ. Yeah. 
and you still have just as much authority as the head of the church. And if you're a part of his body and a part of his church, you have the keys to the kingdom. All of you in here. Now, what are the keys? Using your authority. He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Some translations say this, whatever you forbid will be forbidden. Whatever you release will be released. I love the message. It says, a yes in the earth is a yes in heaven. And a no in the earth is a no in heaven. But notice, who is the one using their authority? Us. Jesus in these verses didn't say, when I bind, it will be bound. When I loose, it will be loosed. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And this is why it won't prevail against it. Because I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, which are keys of authority, which are keys of dominion, which are keys of ownership. And now that you have the keys, this is what I want you to do. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose will be loose. Whatever you forbid will be forbidden. Whatever you release will be released. But it's up to you. Stop waiting on God. He gave you the keys. Go open the door. You got the keys. Go drive the truck. You got the keys. Go get in the new house. You got the keys. He gave you the keys to go use the keys. And the keys are using your authority. Did you guys get anything today? Could you stand up this morning? You got the keys, church family. And it's not because you're all that. It's because Jesus is all that. And he loves you. And he said, I have come to restore your authority as my church. To rule and reign with him. As his church on the earth, that's our job. That's our mission. We have the power to bind and loose. Notice he says, you have the power to say yes or no. Think about what's going on in your life. You have the power to say, no, it's not going to be like that in my life. And the authority God's given you will back that up. Or you can say, yes, that's happening in my life. You have the authority, and God will back that up. Can we lift our hands for a second? Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.